Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 81 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. You can find us on Substack, and you can find us on all the major podcast platforms, iTunes, Woo-hoo. Spotify. Anyway, here with Justin this morning. Justin, how are you doing? Fantastico. So we have a very exciting show for you today, where we're going to be talking about the environmental Armageddon. We are, it's getting yeah, very, really, it's getting incredibly scary out there. The rising temperature, I think it was the hottest day ever recorded on Earth, or I think last week, was it? It was the hottest week ever. Yeah, was it like three days, four days in a row or something um, like that? It just kept breaking a record. It was insane. So we're going to be talking about that and, and what this means for various parts of the country. We're also going to be talking about Tucker Carlson's declining numbers on his show. Um, he started a new media company. This is all absolutely hilarious. He's been scraping the bottom of the barrel for guests as well. Uh, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we have also our prospect of a shutdown, another government shutdown to look forward to. That, that's going to be exciting. Then we have our both sides segment. Actually, no, it's not both sides. We have our fascist of the week segment, which is a new segment. We're going to be replacing our both sides segment with fascist of the week because there are many fascists in the Republican Party and uh, never ending examples of uh, some of the horrible, despicable things they say. So we thought it would be best if we highlighted those for you every week so you know what you're up against. Then we have some excellent news. We have some good news. It's our ray of sunshine um, at the end of the podcast. And then the emergency meeting um, this week, we are going to be talking about anti-vax movement and how dangerous this is and some of the the serious issues that are arising because of this anti-vax movement, specifically Robert F. Kennedy junior and how the press is he's being rehabilitated by alt podcasters and grifters um, and he potentially can be causing a giant health epidemic so tune in for that let's get going justin so record temperatures and you know we've all been feeling it here as well we're in the the dmv area this has been you know we've had wildfires in canada that's blowing smoke down to us planet set a global heat record for the last 100,000 years. Monday, the average global temperature reached 17.01 degrees Celsius. It's the highest in the US National Census for Environmental Predictions data, which goes back to 1979. Tuesday, it climbed even further, reaching 17.818 degrees Celsius. The global temperature remained at this record high on Wednesday. Jennifer Francis, a senior scientist at Woodward Climate Research, told CNN that this week's records are probably the warmest in at least 100,000 years. Uh, what's happening? We're cooking, basically. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not been hideous for us here in the DMV. I mean, it's like yesterday was like 91 degrees. Today it's going to be like 92, somewhere around there. You know, that's summer. It's hot. It's July. But we're not the ones getting hit really hard, right? The one, the people who are getting hit is the West and the South, um, the South and mostly the Southwest. They're getting absolutely crushed over there um so are are you familiar with the phrase heat dome were were you familiar with that one before this uh last couple of weeks have you heard that before 
Heat Dome, no. Oh, oh my God. Heat Domes are hideous. Um, I, I'd, I'd heard about that a couple of years ago. And when I read what it was, I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, so that's like just like someone puts basically like a lens, a glass lens over a chunk of land. Like, like when you cook an anthill, it's pretty much that. So basically what happens is it's like a low pressure system just kind of squishes down over a chunk of a, a land, a, an area of land, which when you compress air, it heats up, right? Mm-hmm. So you get that. And then it pushes clouds out of the way. I mean, it literally pushes weather patterns out of the way because it's pushing the air down. So now you have no clouds, no clouds, more sunlight, more sunlight, more heat. So now the hairs, the air's heating up just from being pushed down. There's no clouds, so the sun's shining right through it, and then it just sits there. So you mm. don't really have much wind. So the air's just sit sitting there, stifling hot, and you have nothing but heat cooking the ground, which, of course, now the ground's heating up as well, and you have the urban heat effect. So it's just this this vicious cycle reinforcing itself over and over and over, which is why you were going into the second week of Arizona. Chunks of Arizona are over 110 degrees and they're looking at least, at least another week of that. Their record is 18 days that does ha- that's happened to Arizona. They're looking minimum of 21 days of this and they don't know when it's going to stop this thing. This heat dome is massive it's stretching from california to texas and it's stretching over over into florida and it they're just getting hooked they're just getting this is, baked it's insane the problem is uh, with a lot of these you know this is not a political issue right this is what i, I find so deranged about america that in the uk climate change is not a left-right issue it's, we just everybody understands that climate change is happening. We have to do something about it, right? But in America, this is not a given. It's like you've got genuinely one side that believes. Like even that. as they're cooking, it's like, yeah, this isn't climate change. It's like, but what I think, are you talking I think about? That, I think that that's going to change. That's going to have to change because it's like you know, parts of Florida, Florida's coastline are disappearing because of climate change. So Republicans say they don't believe in it, but the ones in power. They know, right? They understand that this is happening, and they have and to they have it. to deal with it because they're yeah, the they ones have, in charge. Right? They have they have to deal with it. So at some point, but it is it you know, like Arizona, for example, which is I guess a purple state. It's not really a, a red state, but it's definitely very Republican-y, right? I mean, I've been to I've spent some time in Arizona. It's not uh, it's not Washington D.C. Let's put it that way, right? Um, so this is got. I think this is going to have to force the issue because also you, you're probably going to start getting mass migration out of these places, out of like um, Republican strongholds, right? They're going to start moving to blue states, like they're going to have to. Well, not uh, even just for stuff like heat, just for the lack of water. Yes, it's, you're going to have climate refugees just because they won't have the water to support their populations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that this is a. Uh, this is going to cause some gigantic demographic shifts in in the next few years and vote the voting patterns are going to change i think a lot as well due to these um due to these mass migration 
of of climate refugees and it's it's kind of wild to think that you, you think of places like you know you know that like bangladesh experiences giant flooding and um there are climate refugees all over the world now but you don't sort of think about it happening right here you think oh well we're, this is america everyone's got air conditioning and it will be fine it's like no 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 no. it's a lot more serious than that it's a lot more serious than that uh and your air conditioning you know and also who it's kind of crazy to think that you know the way that we're going to get our way out of this is to like build more air conditioning units you know what i mean i oh, will survive the climate crisis we'll just have more air conditioning units and we'll, we'll uh, you know what i mean it's like um you go to las vegas las vegas is a sort of like it's a sort of deranged place that shouldn't really exist um it's a city built in the middle of the desert and they amount i remember you remember you i remember seeing um outside one of the hotels uh, these the air conditioning units and i've never seen anything like this the, these were like giant warehouse factories that were emitting heat right they were burning up incredible amounts of energy uh and generating huge amounts of uh, of, of waste heat to cool the buildings down <laughs> so you think this is like this is completely insane this is like totally demented we're <laughs> sort of a metaphor really for what's happening now to get a way out of this climate crisis we are you know burning more fuel to keep ourselves cool well um, now on that note and I, this was the one no pun intended bright spot about this is that texas which their electric grid normally would have completely collapsed by now right they're using more power now than they did during the um, winter storm Yuri, which it, that's the one where their their power grid collapsed and hundreds of millions of people, not hundreds of millions, millions of people were left in the cold and Ted Cruz fucked off to Cancun, right? Because, well, he's a scumbag and he ran. Um, but right now, the Texas power grid, remember, the Texas power grid is not connected to the wider power grid of the United States. They're their own separate little thing, which is why they keep having so much trouble. They can't pull from other parts of the grid. So the Texas power grid normally would have collapsed by now, but since winter storm Yuri, um, they have added a large amount of solar and wind um, power. As much as Republicans were complaining about that, they still not just Republicans, but the power companies, they went ahead and added a lot of solar and wind. Plus, they also added a lot of battery storage, like a huge amount of it. And the thing with that is fossil fuel um, power plants, they have a habit of getting overloaded. They can't handle it when there's a huge spike in demand, like when there's a massive heat wave that unprecedented heat wave but when you have a lot of um solar wind and battery that can handle it um so whatchamacallit uh 70 percent like they texas counted like 70 percent of the battery additions in the united states for the first three months of this year so they have really been sucking it up um last tuesday solar and wind was 35% of statewide power in the state. So it's really taken a load off of the grid, which is why they don't have a huge blackout and why thousands of people are not dying from the heat. So this stuff can work. I mean, it's still using a lot of energy, 
but it doesn't have to be fossil fuel. There, it, there are ways to do this without furthering, you know, the conditions that make climate change worse. Well, Jordan Peterson has been saying that you can't recycle solar panels, so therefore we shouldn't use them, apparently. So there we go. Oh, he can kiss my ass. And even if that was true, even if that is true, which I find slightly dubious that they're completely and totally unrecyclable, it's still better than fossil fuel. Right. And I think there's this sort of competition right now in alt-right circles and on Twitter to sort of uh, be as... Con- you just trying to be as contrarian as possible when climate change is, is another issue. RFK Jr. is on this, right? He believes in climate change, but he's also gone down the alt-right rabbit hole where he's now saying things like, you know, it's it, basically it's being used as a psyop by the liberals and the, the UN to get power over you and something like that. Uh, anyway, Jordan Peterson every, is almost daily um, going at Greta Thunberg and the United Nations and... Um, Pointing, you know, talking about how climate change is, you know, it's not something we can really do about. It's debatable, right? It's like, is it real? Is it not real? It's like, you know, who knows? Nobody knows. So let's not do anything about it. This is the level of debate right now. This is the level of, uh, on the one hand, you've got outright climate denialists on the right uh, who just say straight up it's not happening. And then you've got further towards the, I guess, the fringes, you've got the alt right and now alt left saying, uh, yeah, it could be real, but we don't really know enough about it. And also, the UN is trying to, uh, you know, probably kidnap your children and uh, uh, harvest them for adrenochrome. So, uh, <laughs> so don't trust them either. So, therefore, we'll have no, you know, let's let the free market d- decide how to. Uh, I think RFK is a big advocate for the free market and how you address climate change. Like, uh, I don't think that's a great idea. It hasn't shown a great record of uh, of 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 reducing a consumption and b um, putting in place sensible legislation to 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 limit companies use of fossil fuels or, or uh, you know what though i'm fully for the free market stop giving fossil fuel companies uh billions and dollars billions of dollars that's not the free market that's that's funding the fossil fuel companies stop giving them all the government money and see how they fare without all the government money right are you siding with RFK Jr. there, Justin? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. We're we're good good buddies. We're we're yeah. best pals. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so listen, uh, moving moving on. Tucker Carlson, uh, the big news this week, mega news. I'm sh- I'm I'm sure everybody's very excited to hear that Tucker Carlson is starting a new media company. Uh, with his- uh, oh, I'm ten- sorry. What? Mm-hmm. Sorry, you were talking about Tucker Carlson. What? Who? Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> So Tucker Carlson and, and and Neil Patel, who I believe he started the Daily Caller with, uh, are trying to raise funds to start a new media company. Um, I think their aim is to have it on Twitter. Uh, this is what the Wall Street Journal is reporting. And they're looking to raise hundreds of millions of dollars to fund the company. Um, this is while Tucker Carlson is engaged in, in in a very nasty legal dispute with Fox News, his former employer, because Fox News... Um, but wants him off the air and they keep telling they keep sending him legal letters to get off the air but he won't do it he keeps he keeps broadcasting his twitter show which i should say is collapsing uh the twitter <laughs> is i mean the decline is like okay here we are um so he had this is this is his these are the stats for uh carlson's last eight twitter shows right episode one 
he gets 120 million views. Okay. 120 million views on Twitter. Episode two, that gets cut in half. It goes to 60.6 million. Okay. Uh, episode three, it, it jumps up a bit. That goes to 104.1 million, but that was the week that Trump was indicted. Um, so, and then episode four, right, goes down to 32.4 million. So, drops. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a 70% drop. And then it drops in half again on episode five. It goes to 17.3 million, right? Episode six jumps back up to 32. Then it goes down to eight to episode seven is 15.4 million. And then episode eight was 8.6 million. Ouch. So it went from 120 million to 8 million. And these are, bear in mind, these are Twitter views, right? These are Twitter views. And I do not buy for one second, for one second, the, the stats coming out of Twitter. Not for one second do I believe he actually got that many people viewing his. Yeah, how many of them were bots? <laughs> yeah, I would say that, you know, there are probably at least a few million bots in there. Uh, and maybe some people had it playing, you know, you might click on it for a second and then click off. Um, so I think that these numbers are nothing like what he's saying it is uh, or, or what Twitter was saying it is. So basically, tw- as predict, this is, I predicted this, right? I predicted that um, what would happen when Tucker Carlson would, went off of Fox was that he would all of a sudden be found like he, you know, he's a nobody, right? He's just some dude on Twitter now. Well, his audience from Fox is old people. They don't, it's not going to translate to social media. Yeah. He I has mean, to find a new audience. He has right. to start over from not exactly scratch, but he definitely has to start over. And he could probably do big numbers, but he's not nationally relevant anymore. He can do big numbers on, on online, right? Which is like, I look at Fox News as a sort of a, an IV drip into the veins of MAGA votes. Their online behavior is much more erratic. And, you know, the over 65s aren't really on. They're usually on Facebook, not on Twitter. So on Twitter, he's getting, you know, probably lots of Russian bots and probably just people clicking on out of interest. So I would suspect that his his show up, he's actually, you know, the collapse is real. Um, not only is it are the numbers on social media collapsing, but his overall, uh, his overall sort of visibility in society is is not there, right? It's collapsed because on Fox News, you have, you know, politicians would always be, apparently, you know, Republicans would constantly tune in to Tucker Carlson to see what he was saying. Right. He got to set the agenda. Yeah, he sets the agenda. How do they craft their message to to not piss off Tucker Carlson? Right. But nobody cares what he says on Twitter because you can say anything on Twitter. Right. I mean, Twitter is basically a troll cesspit now, and Tucker Carlson is a troll. Right. So he all he's doing is trolling. So his last guest was Andrew Tate, who's currently on sex trafficking charges in Romania, which is astonishing. It's like that's that was your guest. Andrew yeah, that's Tate. Guest. That's, that's guest. what you sunk down to. But he's scraping. He's literally scraping the barrel for views. Right. This is clearly his strategy now is that he you know, there is no sort of he's not trying to do anything real. He's not trying to do uh, any kind of serious journalism. He's he's getting on other YouTube grifters. He's, he's pulling on social media grifters that he can that can boost his numbers. Well, you know what I find amusing? Uh, several years ago, I, I'd have to find the article again, but there was an article about when they were trying to um, normalize Tucker Carlson, right? They were trying to make him respectable, mm-hmm. and it and it was like it, it was in like a, a real um, 
a real uh, online, I'm going to say magazine. That's not the word I'm looking for, website. Um, but there was uh, it was about Tucker Carlson and how he was trying to create um, essentially fascism or fa- uh, like respectable white nationalism without like the white nationalism, right? He didn't want to, he wanted the fascism, but without like all the baggage that goes with it. That's what he was trying to create um, for a post-Trump world. And he was trying to figure out how he could like put that together and be the leader of that kind of movement without mm. all the overt racism. And uh, clearly that wasn't working out for him because uh, his show got more and more um, overt with the white nationalism and the racism. But now that he's on Twitter, right now that he's been cut loose from Fox, and he's going to be going, he's he looks like if he's talking to Andrew Tate, he's going to be aiming way, way more for a younger audience. Because, um, you know, people in their 60s don't know who Andrew Tate is and they don't care. But he's going to be looking to be speak. He's going to be speaking to the alt right now, the online people, which means he's going to be going hard at the white nationalism and the misogyny, like really hard because now he doesn't have to answer to anybody. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. So he's going to be going way harder at it, which means he's abandoned the whole concept of a. You know, white nationalism without the white nationalism, the fascism without the the baggage. He's just going to be going all in on either basically being the next Steve Bannon to create his version of the alt right, or he's he I can't he's not doing a grift, right? Because he's rich, right? He doesn't need the money. He doesn't care about the money. He's he's already he's already got more money than he could ever possibly want. So he's not doing it for that reason. He's doing it for influence. He wants to be able to influence um, the political uh, dialogue and he wants to be able to control because, you know, when you've got that kind of money, the next thing you want is to be able to get people to do what you want. And that's what he's angling for. So now he can't get the older people to do what he wants. He can't really get the Republican party to follow with his lead at the moment. So he's going to start going after, the younger cohort, and then from there to see if he can get the power back in the Republican Party, because if you control the younger generation, you will eventually control the party again. So I think that's what he's angling for. And that's a very crowded space right now. So whether or not he can stand out from the crowd, it remains to be seen. But I think that's what he's going to be going for. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, I think and weirdly, what he was doing on Fox News, I mean, he was pushing it as far as you could possibly go on Fox and News. Now he can go all the way. Yeah. Um, but I, I wonder how much traction that has. I think, he, you know, he's kind of jumped the shark really, Tucker Carlson. You know what I mean? He's he's already pulled his bag of tricks out. He what his, I think his allure was that he was kind of brave and edgy on Fox. You know, it would be like having a BBC reporter swearing for the first time and the BBC being like, ah, well, we can't really, you know, he's really popular, so we'll let him swear on, on, on the news. So that was that was the whole sort of thing, right? Tucker Carlson's whole thing was that he was trying to see, like, how far he could push it on Fox. Um, but I just, don't, I just don't see that being particularly interesting online. Like, you go on, on social media, on kind of Twitter, and that, you, that's a dime a dozen, you know? It's not, nothing, nothing spectacular at all. Um, and he'll have a bit of success. I'm sure he'll be able to bang out a living. I mean, you know, 
good for him. Fine. You know, make a living from your... Where does he film, like, his shows from some weird little shed place in his back garden? <laughs> it's kind of strange, like, looking at Tucker, the imagery for Tucker Carlson's new imagery is him, like, in a log cabin and him, like, chopping wood and uh, him dressed as, a, like, a, I don't know, like a logger or something like that. It's fucking hilarious. Maybe he'll, uh, maybe he'll get a video of him tanning his balls. But... Yeah, because, because, well, his whole thing is this, you know, this kind of macho... Uh, but he's the most kind of... He's such a doughy nobody. Yeah, he's like a, a classic beta male little prep boy. He's the kind of dude that got beat up and, beat up in school um, uh, and then got his revenge because he was clever and was able to kind of be incredibly, like, nasty. I'm sure he is a, a, a real bully. Doubt it. He got older. He was a real nasty piece of work. I'm sure he was. I, I, I have no doubt about that. Well, that's but... the thing. That's the thing I'm wondering about the the fact that he's doing this on Twitter, right? And he's planning on basing it all on Twitter. That means he's beholden to Elon Musk. And Elon Musk is erratic and a bit of a doofus to begin with. And I don't see Tucker Carlson be able to tolerate that. Like he has to kiss Elon Musk's ass and Tucker Carlson is not good at kissing people's ass. Well, I don't know. I don't think he'll do an actual deal with They'll just host the show on Twitter. Well, that's what I mean, though. If Elon Musk says, well, that's enough out of you, that's the end of that. Well, I don't think, he, you know, so I think that he probably won't um, unless unless that. I mean, I guess he did that to Matt Taibbi. He, well, uh, exactly. As soon as Elon Musk gets even slightly annoyed with you, he's like, he'll just pull the plug because I don't well, understand. You know. I don't understand how anybody would ever put anything. I've been trying to warn people about this, about about putting all your stuff on Twitter. Um, I've seen people on Twitter saying, you know, I'm starting a subscription service on Twitter. I'm like, this guy is going, I'm telling you, the site is going to go bankrupt and he's going to sell it and he'll pull the rug. He doesn't give a damn, right? He has absolutely, Musk has, there's no loyalty. Uh, there's absolutely no reason why he would um, stick to his word on anything, right? He, right, and, and if he sells it, the next people he sells it to, it may be a conglomerate of companies who'll be like, yeah, we right. want the advertising, which means none of this white nationalist bullshit anymore. No more Nazis on our site, which means yes. Twitter gets swept clean. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, it looks like a strategy doomed to doom for failure, which is great, which is hilarious. Good. I'm, I'm sure like uh, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll shed I'll shed some I'll shed a tear. for. Tom I'll get Paul. the popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, listen, let's uh, move on to possible government shutdown this fall. Justin, you've been warning about this. Um, yeah. So back in June, when it looked like um, there was a possibility that they were going to breach the uh, debt ceiling, there was a possibility they were going to breach a debt ceiling and do a government shutdown in September. Um, I am no longer convinced that there's going to be a shutdown. The, the, the press is talking about it um, because, you know, it's exciting. It gets clicks. I honestly do not think they're going to do it on purpose. I, they may do it by accident, but I don't think it's going to happen on purpose. As much as Magaland may want that to happen, I don't think they're going to do it. Um, mm. And the reason I did there's a couple of reasons. Um, so this is what's going on. There's a bunch. There's twelve spending bills that need to be done by the end of the calendar year. Okay. Um, so I, it's weird. The calendar year is not exactly the calendar year. But for calendar year, they don't have a ton of time. They have to get this done by the end of September, although they can 
you know, pass a, a short-term spending bill just to give themselves more time. Um, but usually they pass all of these in one big omnibus bill. Um, Republicans hate that because it doesn't let them do poison pills in everything that they hate uh, because it's got military stuff in there. It's got veteran stuff in there. And then they can't attack the separate bills that they like, like education spending or spending for, you know, food stamps, blah, blah, blah. So they can't attack each one separately um, because that means you don't get the, they don't get their defense spending. They don't get their veteran spending. Um, so they have to kind of leave it as is. And that drives them fucking crazy. This time, though, with part the part of the debt seal um, bill was that each one of these bills has to be passed individually. And the Democrats agreed to that. That was, you know, it was, you got to negotiate, right? You got to, you got to negotiate. That's one of the things they negotiated. But they also negotiated, and this is something that a lot of people are not talking about. And I promise you, as we get closer to it, they're going to start talking about it because it's a really big deal. In the debt ceiling bill was a provision that if all of the bill, and I mean all of them, it can't be some of them, it has to be all the bills are not passed on time. There will be a 1% cut across the board on everything. All the spending in the government will be cut by 1%, which does not sound like a lot until we remember that we spend like, I don't know, $3 trillion. Everything gets cut. Defense gets cut. Veteran spending gets cut. These are things Republicans do not want cut, which means they have an awful lot of incentive to not screw around and get these bills passed, right? They're going to negotiate. They're going to try to get the best they can get out of this, but they want it passed. Senate Republicans are not going to screw around with this. They don't want a government shutdown, and they really don't want that 1% cut. House Republicans, most of them, they don't necessarily want a government shutdown. The MAGA caucus does. The Freedom Caucus does because they're lunatics, and they never learned a lesson that every time there's a government shutdown, it's very, very bad for Republicans and literally nobody else. Just it never, it never goes badly for Democrats. It always reflects badly on Republicans. Um, but they'll, they're willing to take that hit because they're crazy. But I'm pretty sure McCarthy isn't. And most of the rest of the caucus, uh, House caucus, is not willing to take that hit. So there's a very good chance that they will just kind of put them in a box again and say, yeah, we're not doing this. It's what they did for the um, the debt ceiling. And I think they're going to do it again for this because they don't want the cut. Because even after they pass the bills, you don't get the 1% back. It doesn't right. just re- it doesn't reinstate itself. You missed the deadline. Too bad for you. You lose that money. And you'll have to pass bills to get all of that back. Which they did after the sequestration back in 2000. I want to say 13, they did something similar, and everyone hated it. Democrats hated it. Republicans hated it. They don't want to do this again because it really, really hurts. That's the point, right? You put a gun to your own head and say, if I don't do this, I'm going to pull the trigger. Well, you don't want to pull the trigger because last time you did it, it was really unpleasant. Mm. So I think they're going to take it seriously, and while the MAGA caucus is jumping up and down and throwing shit at the wall, I think the rest of them are going to be like, yeah, no, we're not doing this. So we'll see. 
Something to look forward to. Yep. But I think it's not going to go the way that Lauren Boebert and the rest of the Screaming Monkeys want. Yes. I think, uh, and if it does, I mean, I don't know. This is going to throw a huge spanner into the economy again if it if they get their way. Well, even if there's a government shutdown, I think it's going to be a very, very short one. It's not going to be an extended shutdown like last time because the House caucus, McCarthy has already shown that as weak as he is and as much of a doofus as he is, he's shown he is not willing to really screw around like this. Like, this is not one of the things he wants. Like, he definitely was like, we are not breaching the debt ceiling. And I don't think he's going to want to do a government shutdown mm. because it doesn't help them. And I, I think as, as not good as his job as he is, I think he is very aware of this. He's not entirely owned by the nutjob caucus. Yeah, I mean, he took a victory lap last time, and he earned it. Like, he did his job. Yeah. Right? So, you know, I think he's going to just buckle down and be like, he's got the support of the Senate Republicans. He's going to have the support of the White House. He's going to have support of the House Democrats, assuming, you know, he he, um, negotiates in good faith to do these bills. I mean, he's going to want stuff for them, obviously, because... He's he controls the house. He gets to do that. That we don't have to like it, but that's how that's how it works. When you control one half of the house, uh, one half of the of um, Congress, you get to say you have to give me something. Well, listen. Let's move on. We have our, our fascist of the week segment, and your pick this week. I have the Moms for Liberty because they're just the goddamn worst. Um, they had uh, linked to an article by some guy named Jonathan Tobin or Jonathan. I don't know. He's Jonathan Tobin. And um, he was complaining about, you know, how they have to take on the teachers unions and they have to do something about education. And he started part of the article was, and this is a quote, see if you can spot the problem. Americans and Jews of all political stripes need to think clearly about this crisis in the schools. And, and I stopped right there. I didn't even bother reading mm. the rest because it was just like Americans and Jews of all political stripes. It's like, wait, American? Aren't Jewish people who live in America Americans? Uh, wait, why are they singled? Oh, that's right, because they're a bunch of anti-Semitic fascist scumbags. That's the problem here. Okay, then. I guess we're Jews and we're not American. That's how it works. Right. Love them. Love Moms for Liberty. They're just You're- the best. You'll be glad to know that Barry Weiss's uh, Barry Weiss's new new company, the Free Press or whatever it's called, uh, did a long piece this week trying to rehabilitate this group. Oh uh, my God! Did she yeah. really? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ah! Apparently, there are a few bad eggs, but it's not. Um, it's it, overall, you know, they've got a point. Oh my God! They quoted Hitler. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they quoted favorably. <laughs> Exactly. Okay, so well, my pick this week, my pick for fashion of the week is you'll be uh, it's a good friend of the podcast, Marjorie Taylor Green, and this is a bit more of an, an abstract one, but Marjorie Taylor Green, along with lots of other people, particularly on the right, have been up in arms about giving arms to Ukraine. Right, they are absolutely incensed and outraged that the US is giving cluster munitions to Ukraine. So, look, I think there's a couple of points um, worth mentioning here, right, that there is there is a legitimate 
there's a legitimate grievance with this. I get that. I get the fact that these are very, very nasty weapons and they can they do a huge amounts of damage to people. Uh, and they are banned by lots of countries for a reason. For a reason. Yeah, there's a yeah, good reason they're banned. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, my personal thoughts on it, that they should give them to Ukraine. Um, absolutely. Uh, Russia, is an invade, Russia has invaded them and um, they get to use whatever weapons on their own territory that they deem acceptable other than maybe nukes and and some chemical weapons i would say i draw the line at chemical and nuclear weapons but the fact is the russians use cluster munitions on ukraine right they use them early and and at least on five occasions so did we hear anything from marjorie taylor green about that not a piece you remember this justin do you remember marjorie taylor green absolutely uh, nothing outraged about russia using cluster cluster munitions do you remember anything about the use of torture and rape on Ukrainian civilians? Nope, nothing. Bombing, children, children, bombing, not not just adults, children as well. Bombing schools, bombing hospitals. Uh, yeah, the, the the use of rape as a weapon of of, of uh, intimidation. I I didn't hear a goddamn word. I didn't hear a goddamn word from any of these people on the alt right, whatsoever, or on the alt left for that matter. So, yeah, apparently they're all they entirely happy for Vladimir Putin to commit war crimes and, and monstrous acts of barbarism against Ukrainians uh, because they're fascists. Marjorie Taylor Greene is a fascist, so she loves other fascists and she loves when other fascists commit war crimes. But when Ukraine dares to fight back, they're apparently the, the criminals. But listen, let's move into the um, emergency meeting podcast. Oh, wait, wait, wait. hold on. We need let's... a ray of sunshine. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can't end. We can't end know. on a sad note anymore. We're going to be ending on Ray of Sunshines from now on. Ray of Sunshine, because we don't want to leave you on uh, on a on a fascist note. <laughs> okay, so this week's Ray of Sunshine or Ray of Hope. I don't know. We're still we're still shopping the name there. Um, we're still workshopping the name. Um, inflation inflation is down. Um, now I know this is uh, like I, this is nerdy stuff. Um, that the public generally does not care about unless it's bad news. But that's kind of the point. Um, inflation is down now. This is like 12 or 13 months in a row. And that's really good for the economy. Um, wages are now, wages have been going up this entire time. And that's unusual to begin with, right? Wages, the wage, um, wage pressure has been going up and up and up this entire time, which is fantastic because wages have been stagnant for literally decades. This has been a problem, uh, but wages have been going up now for quite some time. But inflation has been going up quicker than wages. So while your paycheck's been getting larger, you're technically losing money because inflation was going up faster than you were getting a raise. But now wages are going up faster than inflation, which means you will actually be seeing that money in your pocket, which is fantastic. Better than that, job reports is still solid. It wasn't a fantastic month last month, but it wasn't a bad month, right? We certainly didn't lose jobs. Um, and the reason this is such a big deal and the reason I keep harping on this stuff, right, even though it's kind of wonky and no one really pays attention to it, is if there's no bad economic news, 
going into an election year, that's really good for the party in power and really bad for the party out of power, especially in um, like a prime election year, like a presidential or midterm. Okay. The better the economy is doing or the more stable it is, the better the party in power does because you basically the party out of power uses always uses the economy to run negative against whoever's in the White House. That's what happened to Trump. COVID was bad, but the economy tanking is what really took Trump down because he didn't manage it well because he doesn't know how to manage anything well. And Biden really managed the economy extremely well. Um, he was giving a big pile of steaming shit and he spun gold out of it. And while the press does not want to acknowledge that fact because they have been working nonstop to pretend there's a recession coming, even though there hasn't been for the last 18 months, we're going into an election year and the economy is stable. Inflation's going down. Wages are going up. Everything is going very, very smoothly. And that's super bad news for Republicans because all they have left now is to run on is how much they hate black people and Jews. And that is not a winning message in a presidential election. It's just not going to work. So that is an absolute ray of sunshine, ray of hope, and just woohoo. I know it's wonky, but man, it's important. I cannot tell you how important it is. So, yay. There you go. Great news. Awesome news. So, okay. Where's Bob when you need him to? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I just shit my pants for Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so we're heading into the emergency meeting, and this is why anti-vax rhetoric and RFK Junior are going—they are going to kill millions of people. So we're heading into the emergency meeting podcast. We're going to deep dive on this. We're going to talk about a very interesting story uh, about Jake Tapper and RFK Junior and what an utter liar he is. Um, measles outbreaks around the world. Um, a lot of this down to anti-vax rhetoric. So we're going to head into the emergency meeting and talk about that. It's a very important topic. You can meet us there. Uh, you can get a 50% discount on a Bantam membership. You can get all emergency meeting podcasts and you get access to all members-only articles. You will be supporting what we do here at the Banter. We're 100% reader-funded. So uh, please support us and we will see you there. Adios. <laughs>